I used to be his campaign manager and I ran his election in May. In the only election that I ever lost. Hello and welcome to the Lib Dem Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're doing it via your podcast provider or on Facebook or YouTube. Thanks very much for coming in. And we've done something very unusual now. We've got Southerners on. We, we, we've resisted it for a very long time, but we've had to do it. And we've got two absolute brilliant guests down the line from, from Richmond. Uh, that's it. We have the leader of Richmond Council, Gareth Roberts. Hello, Gareth. Introduce yourself to the podcast. My name is Gareth Roberts. I'm not a northerner. No, I am sort of a slightly northerner. I'm from Derby originally, but I have lived in the south for many years, and that's why I speak like this. So I'm the leader of Richmond upon Thames, and this is my colleague, Alice. Hello, and I'm Alice. I work in the campaigns and elections department, and I am the campaign manager in London, primarily covering the South West London constituencies, um, looking after South Wimbledon, Kingston and Richmond. And um, I used to be his campaign manager and I ran his election in May. In the only election that I ever lost. That's a, well, we'll get to that. And, you know, this is your opportunity <laughs> to finally put her to the sword. But uh, we should, the, the last time Alice was on, the, the last time Alice was on, we were in Cheshire and Amersham together. And I suppose the first thing we should say, Alice, obviously you were deputy campaign manager for that Cheshire and Irish election. So bloody well done, I suppose, is the answer. That It was a phenomenal thing. And I think we were looking at about two weeks out when we did the interview with you and you were yeah. saying it's looking very good. We just need more people to help. So I suppose yeah. maybe just a, a few seconds to talk about that, Alice. How was how was that experience? Well, I mean, it was amazing. Like it was just it was just amazing. I don't think there are any other words for that, but I think what I need to say is on behalf of all of us, thank you to everyone who came and helped in Cheshire and Amersham, whether that be on the phones or coming and visiting us in person, delivering, knocking on doors, knock and drop surveys, sticking up stake boards uh, is what Gareth was doing. Um, so like just a massive thank you. Like we could not have done that without the sheer force of the party. And I think, you know, we were saying when we had that podcast here, um, a couple of weeks out was, there's nothing more inspiring than a Lib Dem by-election when it's really going. Like, it's really quite impressive and there's something quite amazing about it. And we pulled that off and it was down to the Lib Dem party as a whole. It wasn't just a sort of few core people. It was down to the Lib Dem party. Um, and obviously now we have an epic MP in Sarah Green and it's great to see her in Parliament. Well, well on behalf, I think the whole party... And whose idea was it with the blue wall? Who, who came up with that? It's um, facts of you, Alice. I, no, it wasn't me. Brilliant. No, I no, it wasn't. It was not me. Um, I can't remember who it was, if I'm honest, but it was a brilliant idea. And I, I, we very much enjoyed seeing it knocking down. <laughs> right. So let's get let's get to London. OK, this is our first. And I do wonder how many of our listeners actually are aware of some of the structures in London. So I've got a, a brief kind of crib sheet here of one. So London has 73 MPs. It has 33 boroughs plus the city of London. So I don't that. Oh, here we go. He's going to correct me already. Go on, Gareth. Yeah. 32 plus the city, but is it including? Sorry, there's a sort of pedantry which people will be tuning into. This uh, you've seen our comment section, have you? That is absolutely <laughs> true. That will come up. Um, yeah. Out of those boroughs, out of the 33, three of which are controlled by the Lib Dems, you have Kingston, Sutton, and Richmond. Mm -hmm. um, out of the 21 others, uh, 30 are Labour controlled, but Lib Dems have at least one councillor in nine of them. Uh, not including the three, obviously, we control. The seats were last fought in 2018 and are up again next year, which we will no doubt come on to. And then you have the Greater London Assembly, mm -hmm. which is has the mayor at the top and 25 members, of, right. which, of which there are 11 Labour, nine Tories, three Greens and two Lib Dems. 
Uh, and I think that is roughly the kind of makeup of how London works. Is that right? I mean, how, I mean, Gareth, maybe the point of bringing you in now is how does that relationship actually work with those different layers? Oh, um, it, 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 it works on how you want it to work. People talk about the um, GLA or the London Assembly, however you want to call it, as being London's county council. And to a certain extent, it is. However, to, to a greater extent, it isn't. It has, it has some powers, it has some authorities, but very much the boroughs are responsible for their own, you know, all of their own things, like the majority of their roads, their schools, their parks, their um, adult social care, all of these things. Whereas the the way in which the um, London Assembly was set up um, way back, you know, God, how many years, 21 years ago, yeah. it was so that it would not become a a new GLC. It would not become so overarching as to as to become a threat to the power of the boroughs or to the power of the MPs or to the power of Parliament or the Minister of London, all of that. So it's, it, it is an important body, but it's not, it, its power is really quite limited. Yeah. So, so like, I suppose those of us outside London, it's a bit like combined authority status that you get outside of London. So yeah. but the powers you've just talked, again, for some listeners that don't know, so I'm a I'm a triple-hatted councillor. So yeah. your 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 council there, Richmond upon Thames, is almost like a unitary in terms. It's taking up the, the powers of Lancashire and both Preston, but in one go. Yeah, absolutely. So like we deal with some of our roads, whereas TFL also deal with some of our roads, if that makes sense. Whereas See, there are other TFL for those people in the north. There's transport for London. Yeah, I think most of I think most people know transport for London, but we'll, we'll I don't know. We could be having lots of chippy letters coming in, and also saying, "Also, oh, that London gets its own transport authority. That's yeah. nice. Where's ours?" And you know, yeah, that is no, that that is a a, a genuine issue, and it's a genuine and fair point. It is absolutely it is. So let's talk about Richmond, the wonderful success of Richmond. So there are 39 Lib Dem councils out of 54. Is that correct, Gareth? That's right. But I suppose one thing that comes up a lot, I mean, people say Richmond takes in, and you've got two MPs, let's just point that out as well. So you've got the whole of Twickenham inside the, the borough and more or less all of Richmond Park. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah, we've got seven of the 11 wards of Richmond Park in Richmond and four of the 11 wards in uh, North in Kingston. Yeah, so it is, suffice to say, it is a fairly strong Lib Dem area and has been for some time, but it's not been clean sailing, has it? It's not been, it's not like an area that has had Lib Dem control for time immemorial. So, Alice, do you want to talk about a little bit about some of the, the, the history of the Richmond uh, borough? Yeah, so I'm going to try and get this right because I've only worked in this area since 2017. So I'm going to make sure that I do try and get this right. So we had it back in the sort of 80s and 90s for quite a long time. We had Richmond Borough and we had the MPs and, you know, it was quite strong. And then I think we lost it in 2002. And yeah, we lost, we, we lost the council in 2002. Yeah, we gained the council in 2006, lost the council again in 2010, then have not had it for eight years. And then we retook it in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went from 14 to 39 councillors in, 20, uh, in 2018. So that was quite, that was quite fun. Um, what was that like? What, how, what was it? I mean, might as well talk about it, What? How did you do that? Hello, John from the Lib Dem podcast here. We are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Prater Reigns. Now more than ever, you need a professional looking online presence and website. Prater Reigns have been helping Liberal Democrat campaigns succeed for 18 years. Their Lib Dem Foci package combines a website, social media and email system to help Lib Dems win. You'll receive great support from real people, fair pricing and a huge range of features to choose from. 
Praetor Reigns are already the bespoke developers for Lighthouse, LibDemDraw Online and the LD directory. They combine a talented system design with an unrivaled understanding of our party, our data and our systems. To find out more, check out the Praetor Reigns website at praetorreigns.co.uk slash liberal-democrats. This podcast has been sponsored by the Katora Coffee Club, the UK's most environmentally friendly coffee club. There are over 400 independent roasters in the UK, each one crafting coffee in their own unique style. Katora Coffee Club works with some of the best to take you on a voyage of coffee discovery. The Katora Coffee Club delivers ethically sourced and independently roast coffee directly to your door. Each month you'll receive between two and four bags of coffee and their monthly extract magazine. Even better for Lib Dem podcast listeners, use the code BETTERCOFFEE to save 5% on subscriptions and gift boxes for a limited time only. All Katora Coffee Club boxes are carbon negative and offset the CO2. So why not do some good, enjoy some great coffee and check out the website www.katoracoffeeclub.com. Now, back to the podcast. We will use the code. Let's get the coalition word out of the way early. We were still suffering the after effects of coalition to a certain extent. Don't forget it was only three years earlier, 2015, all of that. And um, we thought that we would probably come back, really whittle down the Tory majority, which used to be about 39 Conservatives against our 15 or 16 Lib Dems. Um, so we thought we would come back, whittle their majority down and really clip their wings. And then suddenly we found that we were in... You know, almost reverse of the situation, which was absolutely thrilling. Yeah. So it's really nice to have a group of that size because you can get things done. And the count was fun. The, the count, count was very fun. fun. We enjoyed the yeah. count. <laughs> there was there were some Tories, and sorry to be, you know, strike a discordant note and add a certain amount of vitriol and bitterness into this, but there were some Tories who were really nasty ones that we were so pleased and we saw them falling like nine pins. And the fact that we were able to unseat them really was, you know, the shot in the arm. To be honest, there were some nice, decent, and I know this sounds like an oxymoron, but there were some nice, decent conservative councillors who lost their seats. And that was that's always a shame to see that happening when you see the opposition who actually get off their backsides and do some work. But when you get rid of the nasty ones, yeah, that's always nice. And it was quite funny. Like, so it was my job to tell you you'd been made leader. And <laughs> like, I think you probably already kind of half guessed because we were all grinning. Like, you know, there was a load of us just going around going, this is amazing. <laughs> um, I, it was quite fun being able to be like, we've just made you leader of the council. So that was quite, it was all just a very good night. And then we did a big press conference the next day and that was also quite fun. Yes. And, and what was the transition like from opposition to, to leadership? Because, you know, the phrase is that opposition's easy. Uh, when you're in charge, it becomes difficult. So what was that like, that transition? Oh, cranky. Well, yes, I mean, opposition can be easy. It can, but it can also be a, a bit of a hard slog. I mean, we, we weren't exactly sitting around flicking cards into a top hat of a Wednesday afternoon. But, um, you know, you, you do have to put the hours in. You, you, if you're opposition, you have to work in order to get, you know, to take control. But, yeah, it was it was a bit odd. Suddenly, all of the things which you've been trying to get done for the last eight years, because that's how long um, I've been a councillor in opposition, eight years of saying, can we do this? Can we do Can we do that? And then suddenly you've got officers coming to you saying, remember that um, idea about X, Y, Z? Are you still interested in doing that? Well, yeah, we were told we couldn't afford it. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes, we can. Easily done. But they, you know, the, the previous administration just didn't want to. So it's, it's that moving over from just talking about things to doing things, which is the real, the, the absolute pick of an idea. is lots of fun. I, I recommend it to anybody. 
And I suppose that's just to, to reassure. I mean, I'm in a very small group in Lancashire. We obviously didn't have the Northwest had a bit of a, a tough time this last election. But but also it what you've just said there is don't stop fighting for things. Don't stop pushing out ideas because you never know. And it might just be one awkward bugger who then loses his seat and suddenly that idea can actually take hold and actually become policy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one thing which we did straight away, and it was the one thing which we had always wanted to do, was um, when we were in control of the council um, before all of the shenanigans started happening with the flipping of seats and what happened, um, we always had um, zero um, council tax, 100% council tax relief for those people on full benefits. Then the Tories brought in, they said, well, you know, they should be spending, you know, those people should be contributing something. People are on full benefits, this is. They should be contributing something. So I think they went to 5%, and we went, well, no, we're not happy with this. We voted against it. Then the Tories decided to make 15%. Now, Richmond Council tax is relatively high. Mm. And 15% of paying, you know, Band is the difference between your kids being able to afford new school shoes in September. It's the difference between having the heating on or not. And the first thing that we did, because we've been talking about it for a long time, was to say, we're going back to zero, 100% council tax relief. Nobody who's on full benefits pays a penny. And that's the difference that you can make. So, yeah, keep fighting for things like that. And if you get into power, either 100% or in sharing, those are the things that you can make happen. And it's important. I mean, I the charity I, I help out with, I'm a trustee of, you know, we're already getting people concerned about the, the change in universal uh, credit that's mm-hmm. coming down the line in a few months. And, that, and you think, that, oh, it's £20. What's, what's £20 to be? But to some people, that is being able to afford to pay their heating. Yeah. yeah. So... Twenty doesn't sound twenty doesn't sound a great deal, but when you think if it's a thousand pounds a year, mm-hmm. then it starts then it starts hitting it. So, I mean, I'm I'm very interested, Alice, from your point of view, in coordinating this. I mean, what what's generally the feeling on the ground in London? I know you don't speak for all of London. You are not you are not the Empress of Lib Dem London. Um, but I think actually, she what, is. She <laughs> is. Oh right, oh, she is. Okay, that's fair enough. Maybe no, I should I, petition the regional execs for having that on a mug. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's yeah, Empress Alice is coming up. Um, but, but I'm, I'm conscious because from the outside, and I am an outsider on this. I, I was kind of mixed with what happened in London this year. Oh, I did feel that the mayoralty election only getting four percent. Admittedly, we were getting squeezed. Obviously, Gareth, you missing out on that spot on the on the Greater London Assembly, despite another jab. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I was going to just I was going to big up despite cutting the Tory majority by nearly two thirds mm. in that seat. So, what's the feeling on the ground at the moment, Alice? So, I think the feeling is relatively positive. I think to put into context with the with the with the GLA campaign, because I think we should remember that we've got the list and the constituencies as well as the mayoral election. Is you know obviously the team had to deal with a candidate changeover midway through the pandemic not even just a candidate changeover generally but a candidate changeover uh, during the pandemic which I don't think sort of helped anybody um, and you know obviously we had to kind of essentially start again it did allow us to reset and I think it did allow the team to kind of go right okay how are we going to move forward um, but I think the sort of the context of it you know as as you will know from fighting elections this year it wasn't easy in the pandemic and I think it was a real struggle and you know obviously London being quite conscious we obviously had quite high peaks if, of um, of transmissions in the pandemic obviously being the capital city so um, so I think that kind of <clears throat> there are a few things that hindered us I think Generally speaking, you know, we did some good things. We did uh, huge rounds of direct mail. Um, you know, in the southwest, we ran a full campaign where we got state boards up. We put out tons and tons of direct mail. We spent an awful lot of money. Like, we 
I think we ran a good campaign. I think the probably the politics was against us because as you've said, you know, we get squeezed, particularly in that mayoral campaign, like we get really squeezed because it is very much, a, it's seen as a two horse race between the, uh, the Tories and Labour. And I think also it's quite a complicated voting system. I don't think we can kind of forget that. Um, it's not easy. Even some of our best canvassers um, can sometimes struggle to articulate what we what we want them to do. So one of the big things that we worked on, and actually this sort of was taken across London, was trying to get them to vote down the ticket and get them to vote three times, but or four times technically, because um, you've got two on top of everything. You've got two votes for the mayor, so you've got a first and second preference. Then you've got a vote for the list, and then a vote for the constituency. And they have different um, they have different voting systems in each one. So the whole thing is really complicated, and it is also the sort of election that everyone sort of goes this is almost a bit hard and, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so I think for all that, it was, you know, it, it wasn't wonderful, but it also wasn't awful. I think it'd be very easy to look at the election results and kind of go, oh, it must have been dreadful. But actually, I think the team worked really well. They worked really hard. We did some innovative things. Um, but we like the circumstances were against us, if I'm honest. Yeah. And the other thing to remember, and yeah, this isn't sort of being trying to find excuses reasons why um, the mayoral uh, race didn't go quite as we wanted. The ballot paper itself was very confusing to the extent that we've had the a record number of spoiled ballots. It was featured on the BBC London News about the number of spoiled ballots. And what you have is for those people who don't know the system, you vote for your first and then you vote for your second. And there were two columns of names, each with two with a first and second preference tick box against both of them. And they had to do this because they had a record number of candidates standing in that election. And therefore, in order for it to fit in the electronic voting machine, they had to do it like this. So we had for the we had Bailey for the Conservatives, Berry for the um for the Greens, Khan for the uh for the Labour Party, and then on the other column, Horrit. So mm. if you've been asked to choose for people who are not this isn't a, a system they're familiar with. If you're after people saying put in your first preference and second preference and you're giving them two columns of names, yeah. chances are they will look in the first column for their first preference and then look in the second column for their second. So it's not an excuse, but it is a mitigating factor, I believe. And is this part of the reason why the Tories are thinking about, I mean, obviously the, 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 the obvious truth is the Tories just want to do away with anything that isn't first past the post. But obviously I, th I do believe they were using some of these, the spoil, number of spoiled ballots in London and saying, well, then let's just get rid of it. Let's just go back to first past the post. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're, again, they will try, they will try anything that they possibly can to get back to first past the post. But um, I mean, what they, what they really, if they want to win, they should start trying a decent candidate because Sean Bate was terrible. He really was the worst candidate. And how he managed to get so many votes, I'm, I'm convinced. You know, we always say we want people who are called, you know, Andrew Asher representing Andover. We want people like that so that they're right at the top of the ballot paper. I'm convinced <laughs> he got a lot of things because he was B and BA at that, you know. So, no, he was really woeful. But it's, it's interesting because I think of the other big city, think of other big cities such as Liverpool. No Tories. Manchester, no Tories. Yet the Tories, again, I'm trying not to be as overly simplistic about this because London is basically a whole concoction of different cities all, all in one. But the Tories seem to do a lot better than what everyone predicted in London. Yeah. Did that surprise you? I think we've got to remember that there are areas of Tory support in London. Mm. Um, you know, there, there are quite large swathes of Tory support. I think if you look at it, I think if you look at the map, 
when it's sort of the boroughs are coloured in, sorry, it's pretty evenly split in terms of, you know, what you're looking at. And I think, you know, even in, in the southwest of uh, the southwest constituencies, you know, in places like Twickenham, there are still X number of thousand votes that go to the Tories. And I think that's something that we shouldn't forget. Um, and it's something that we, you know, we shouldn't just think, oh, well, actually, we're really strong. And so therefore, there aren't any Tories here anymore. There absolutely are. I mean, Richmond Park is a, is another example of that, where, you know, if you look at Richmond Park constituency, we've got 17 Lib Dem councillors, one Green councillor and, and 15 Tory councillors. Again, the councillors are pretty evenly split, even in a constituency where we are strong and where we have a, a, a 7,000 majority uh, for Sarah. So I think that's something that we should bear in mind when we're looking at London is it would be really easy to think of it as one homogenous block and kind of go, oh, well, it's Labour. Yeah. But actually, there are quite big chunks of it that support Tory. They're those sort of soft, they're kind of almost the blue wall Tories, for want of a better term, in many ways. Um, they're the sort of the Cheshire and Amersham Tories for, for, to kind of give them a sort of a link. Um, and I think actually what we are probably seeing, and certainly what we saw in Gareth's election, is we were able to win over a lot of those Conservatives. You know, we needed to win over another 4,000. Um, but we were able to win over actually quite a lot of those soft Conservatives who fundamentally believe that their values are not being represented by the Tories yeah. anymore. It's the Tory party that's moved away from them rather than them who've moved away from the Tory party. Yeah. What also does that have is that the media <coughs> in London always does, they still portray any election mayor as being a straight fight between um, Labour and Conservatives to the extent when the first televised debate which happened in the campaign they didn't bring on any other candidates at all it was just a straightforward um, Sadiq Khan Sean Bailey you know title bound yeah uh, whereas what they should have done in my view is the first debate you bring as many in as you possibly can not the lunatics you know we don't want to give Lawrence Fox um, <laughs> any airtime that he's not entitled to. But, you know, we just give the, um, you know, the, the main parties and allow people to make their choice rather than immediately doing this as a binary choice between Labour and Conservative. I mean, by all means, if the polls show towards the end of the campaign that it's going to be one or the other, then come down to two. How they did it was completely around about face. They, they, they put in all the other candidates much later on. They want a presidential fight, is what they yeah. want. They think, they think that's good ratings. And yeah, but then again, if you want good ratings, just have Lawrence Fox de debating Count Binface. You know, and yeah. that, that, would, that would do it. You know, that would probably get you loads. Um, but let, let's go back to Richmond. Because I, I, I'm really conscious, Gareth, that you, you are, like I say, one of 27 Lib Dem majority leaders in, uh, in the country who run mm -hmm. councils. I should just put a little point out here. We have got a brilliant episode coming up with both Amanda Hopgood and Liz Leftman, who are two Lib Dem leaders in no overall control councils, one with the help of Tories and one with the help of Labour. So that will be an absolutely brilliant episode. So make sure you subscribe to catch that. But talk about some of your accomplishments, Gareth, because I, I, you know, someone like myself who, who I've been in opposition my entire time as a councillor on, on all levels of councils, what does it feel like to actually get power and get stuff done? Very nice is the short answer. <laughs> really, as, as I mentioned earlier, you can spend all of your time saying, this is terrible, this is terrible, this is terrible. But if you're going to be saying this is terrible all the time, when you've got the opportunity to get power and make change, then you have to be able to you know, have the courage to make bold change. Now, we're in the fortunate position in Richmond that we have such a large majority that even if one or two of our um, colleagues on, in the Lib Dems, and this does happen, that's cranky the Lib Dems. So if all of us started agreeing with each other, then... <laughs> Something's, Something's wrong. Something's yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, but 
you know, even if one or two disagree, then we can still we've still got the numbers to get things through. So um, one of the big things that we did very early in the administration was to say, right, we we campaigned in the election for a borough white twenty miles an hour uh, limit on uh, roads which we controlled, and we brought that in. By and large, the one or two roads which we've exempted because they're main trunk roads and and they're not particularly residential areas. And there was sufficient grounds, we felt, for exempting those roads. But I would say 98% of the roads that we control are now 20 mile an hour. Um, we were able to respond to residents' concerns because what they didn't want to do was to lose their weekly bin collections, which the Tories went to town saying that we were going to cancel weekly bins. We still have weekly uh, waste and recycling. Um, as mentioned, we've taken people, you know, the poorest in the borough, out of poverty altogether. We've brought in a, um, a PSPO, the Public Space Preservation Order, which is around one of our um, abortion clinics in the borough, which was being targeted uh, by um, protesters, shall we say. Uh, we've been able to do a lot of things in, you know, in the relatively short amount of time because we had a very clear platform on which we stood. And I did a um, one of these sort of, you know, uh, exercises to find out how much of our manifesto we've been able to bring in so far. I reckon we're about the 75% mark. And um, we would have got far more if it wasn't for COVID. And of course, COVID has been the real game changer over the last 18 months, because what we've been able to do is to step, because a lot of people, when they go to the polls, they have a hierarchy of elections. So uh, Parliament, MPs, who they want as Prime Minister is top of their list. They may be interested in county council, but when it comes to their actual local councillors, the people who live within their wards in their towns, who work in their towns, it's, it's the less glam one, which is why you see very little and you know, very small turnouts in some elections. We've been able to prove that, you know, the value of having a good local council who's on top of everything and people have responded hugely to that. And I think it was partly uh, one of the reasons why we did so well locally in the London elections is that people really like what we've been doing over the last um, four years. And particularly the leadership that we've shown in terms of crisis delivery and crisis management uh, throughout covid so yeah it's, it's it's that sort of thing it's and and it's making sure that you know also a bit of a trite old cliche but this is to making sure that nobody's left behind it will be very easy in richmond simply to govern for the for the middle classes and above and you can't do that you have to make sure that you're looking after every corner of the borough you can't ignore the the views of people who live in tower blocks who are on full benefits who live in uh um you know uh, rhp is our residential social landlord you, you can't ignore um, big swathes of society, which is what the Tories did, to be honest. Mm. They just pandered largely to the, the what they thought was going to be their core vote, their key activity, all of that. So we do make sure that we try as much as we possibly can to bring everybody in and not leave anybody behind. I, I was going to bring up COVID, obviously, because yeah. this, this last year has been extraordinary for councils where the, the, the phrase running to stand still was probably representing most councils you know incredible dedication from offices going above and beyond what they expect but what's that been like for you as a leader coping with not not just not just obviously the day-to-day -day about the public health issues how you're dealing with the myriad of grants that the government seems to want to deal with instead of just paying local government properly let's make them bid every two seconds for a different grant how has that been for you as a leader it's, it's been very easy because I've got an excellent team. Mm. I'm not one of these leaders that just comes along and says, hello, it's all me. I mean, I'm, I may give the impression, but it's really not. You know, so <laughs> in, in terms of finance, um, absolutely brand new councillor in 2018, Robin Brown is our lead member for finance, and he's an absolute, he's brilliant at finances. 
Uh, Piers Allen is our lead on health and he's absolutely top notch on, you know, dealing with all of the NHS stuff, which if you've ever tried to deal with the NHS, is it's absolutely Byzantine, whether they're dealing with the CCG or this, that or the other body. And it's just nuts. But Piers is completely on top of that. Um, Alex Amon, who's in charge of our roads, um, Michael Wilson, dealing with our voluntary sector partners, you know, all of the, and there are people who I have not mentioned and who will now be grinding the tooth because I've not included them in the list. Alice, who's been great at the tea, and, <laughs> and wow, wow. <laughs> Well, next year is going to be fun. We're going to de-target Hampton yeah. straight away. <laughs> it's, it's everybody, it's, it really has been everybody within the council group working at 100% capacity. Look, and people just getting on with the basic waterworks. Um, Julian Eden, what's dealing with the entire issue of the, you know, the waste and recycling backlog, which happens as a result of having loads of our um, operatives off sick. So it's, it's, it's about having a team. If you've got one person who's going to be, you know, the great I am, the great leader, that, there has to be somebody that will do that and do the, the video messages, mm. which I do on a weekly basis, saying how many COVID cases there have been. There has to be somebody who will do that, but they can only do that if they've got a great team behind them. And that's what I've had for the last however many years, three years, three and a half years um, of running the council. You can't do it on your own because it's just too big. And Alice, so how does how does it work with your relationship regarding campaigning? Because is is good campaigning part of good governing? Uh, so you, you have to do one and the same. Otherwise, because if people don't know what you're doing, you're not going to get elected next year. So we are quite firm on, like, say, a leaflet goes out uh, every month in uh, in my seats, as does a round of direct mail, um, which is obviously sort of targeted to the right people. So it's got the right message going to the right people. Um, we do an awful lot of fundraising. Um, we do. We spend a lot of our time talking about fundraising and trying to raise more money in order to make this happen. Um, but you know, we keep them campaigning. And to be fair, like I think what's really good about this team is I am in no way kind of afraid or worried to kind of go, guys, you're you're being too council based. They like, almost like when there are moments that perhaps we get ourselves a little bit too bogged down in that mind shy of running a council it's actually, they're all pretty responsive and you in particular are pretty responsive at going, like, guys, we need to campaign on X or we need to talk about this or whatever. And, you know, Gareth mentioned 20 miles an hour um, earlier. That was a battle that we had to win, you know, um, as much as we put it front and centre of our manifesto, we put it front and centre of our campaigning in the 2018 campaign. There were quite a few people who weren't overly keen on it. It's fair to say, you know, um, you know, we have a high, a high car ownership here in Richmond and we had to kind of win people over. And obviously that was a council initiative and something that the council were running as a consultation, but we were campaigning as Lib Dems to try and get it through. And ultimately we did get it through because we were campaigning. And so I think it's, they, they do keep on top of that. And also they are really receptive at kind of, they, they listen and they understand that actually campaigns is what gets them elected. I mean, I remember a few of them, it actually wasn't just Gareth, it was a few of them kind of said, the day after the election, right, our re-election campaign starts now. Um, and they're absolutely right. And I would say that's one of the really good things about this team is they they understand that campaigns is really important and it's the thing that will take precedent over other things, I think. And they listen in the sense that we can go, this is what needs to happen. This is what we need, now need to do. And I don't think we get that much pushback from anybody, to no. be fair. And like what we're really kind of conscious of doing is, obviously, Gareth is on the campaign team as the leader of the council. He was on the campaign team as... Um, as the leader of the group prior to us taking control 
he was on their campaign team as the candidate in May. So we make sure that there are council voices. And obviously, we've got people like M- Michael Wilson, who are just heroes of campaigning, but also, again, a councillor. Um, and we've got those sorts of people who are on the campaign team who can kind of say that council voice and kind of speak for councillors as well. And we're kind of quite good at communicating with them as much as we can. And, and just so everyone knows, so you have three ward councillors per ward. What, yeah. what, what's the rough size of your wards in the borough? About 7,000 people and so about 5,000 doors. Okay, so, so it's comparable to, to, to most days. I mean, again, I, don't, I think people have a kind of, some Lib Dems as well, have a kind of assumption that everything's different in London. But I take it your campaigns are the same as ever. It's about door knocking, direct mail and talking yeah. to voters. Yeah, so you might be able to see on the wall, there's pictures on the wall, and it's just so we keep reminding ourselves of what we need to do. But like Dave says, more squeeze, for example, Dave is our campaigns and elections department director. Uh, you know, Wilson, Mike Wilson says more direct mail. Gareth says more state boards. We've got those kind of fun little quotes up there just to kind of remind us. But so it's just constantly in our minds because we actually do need to do all of that stuff. And, you know, it has been 40 years of hard graft and, you know, We've got leaflets going out at the moment. So we've got an annual report for both MPs uh, going out at the moment and a big round of recruitment direct mail that's going out as we speak. And a couple of boxes were just taken uh, just before we came on this podcast. So that happens, you know, it's August, a lot of people away, but it's still happening because we know that we've got to keep on campaigning and we can't be complacent. And I think it would be slightly easy, especially given Gareth's result of May, for us to be a little bit complacent in southwest London uh, or in these southwest London seats but that can easily go you know I think we've all seen it where majorities can go really quickly and we can lose councillors here there and everywhere and actually we need to keep on top of it and we need to keep them campaigning and it's kind of the big message that we say to everybody all the time. Yeah and that's cool. There is a you know an idea um, that southwest London that all we need to do is put out one leaflet every four years and we'll get in anyway because it's just because it's very you well we should not <laughs> But um, it's not, I mean, if you think, I mean, Vince is very much a fixture of the party, but he was only elected in 1997, so not all that long, under 25 years. Um, And he lost his seat in 2015. Um, It had Richmond and then Richmond Park for uh, longer, of course, but we lost it in 2010 and we were out, you know, pretty much until 2017 bar the, um, sorry, 2019 bar the few months of Sarah after the violation. We, we lost control of the council for eight years. And, you know, it, it isn't this very easy ride, which often gets portrayed. And and, and I can see why people do think that will be Richmond this easy. Um, but it, it's really not. And we can see that we can lose the MPs, we can lose the council, and we have to work hard for every single vote. And 2022 is not going to be a picnic because there are going to be enough people who are going to be slightly miffed about 20 miles an hour. It still rankles with a lot of people. There are some people, you know, who were natural um, voters for us because they were completely, you know, anti-Brexit uh, and all of that. Said, God, has it been nearly about 40 minutes the first time I mentioned Brexit? Um, it's been so, <laughs> so long. You know, all of those people who came and voted for us, you know, we have to make sure that they know that we're still the people who be the Tories. And so you know, if, if they're died in the world, Labour supporters, we need to make sure that they know that Labour cannot win here. And if they're died in the world, Green supporters, you know, all of these things, we need to make sure that we're appealing across the broad church. We can't just appeal to our base. We can't just appeal to people who are, you know, natural Lib Dem members, you know, fully paid up socks and sandals brigade. We need to appeal to everybody. So that means having a broad-based policy approach, 
rather than sorry this is really boring now I'm no no yeah i'm bored <laughs> I, I felt the will to live draining from my body i didn't want to say it but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but, you know, we, we have to appeal to everybody we have to we have to be we, we can be as bbc for as we like but every now and again we need to be saturday night itbt so we've got a group of people who come in year on year who have maybe come in from other areas of London or other areas of the country who have no idea that it's a two horse race here and mm. they have no idea that it's the Lib Dems and you need to vote for the Lib Dems in order to keep the Tories out. So that's a kind of another thing that we have to keep on working out those new unregistered people who just haven't necessarily lived in an area like this and say, therefore, don't know what they need to be doing and obviously that can be the difference between winning and losing at particularly in local election like I've got a one vote majority very healthy um as, as a councillor you know if two or three of those new unregistered people kind of don't vote the right way because they don't know what the what the political makeup is here I lose my seat yeah, yeah and, and and you've got to understand I mean Lib Dems everywhere there's a couple of points to take away from this one is that most Lib Dems in their wards will have about a 10% shift in their electorate over the course of an election cycle. So you do have to keep working. But also what COVID has done to a lot of Lib Dems as well is they, they have to stop campaigning. And that, and that was the problem. And atrophy is a horrible thing in a campaign team. Suddenly, they're, oh, I, you know what? I don't think I'll do leaflets anymore. Or yeah. You've got to keep that energy going because, let's see, 2021 may have been a high watermark for the Tories in lots of areas, particularly here where they, they swept up the UKIP vote and did very well, where we thought, where did that vote come from in urban Preston to vote for the Tories to get that many votes? But that will change. But we don't know what's going to happen before between now and 2022. So if you're out knocking on doors like I'm doing late tonight and delivering leaflets like I did this morning, then it gives you that cushion to be able to go on and win. Yeah. And the, the, the cautionary tale element of that is um, you can see this working absolutely perfectly in the southwest london constituency seat we always do a lot of work in richmond we always do a lot of work in kingston we used to have presence a greater amount of presence in hounslow and have people out there knocking on the doors and doing the leaflets and that's to a certain extent has dropped off there are still really good campaigners um, out in hounslow doing the doing the work you know spreading the message but you know for people who've been watching this thing this is pompous idiot on this podcast if they want a really good laugh is to go and have a look at the hounslow ward by ward results on london elect where i was coming fourth in nearly every ward actually and it's because we simply weren't able to get enough people out doing that because the local um yeah. network has dropped off the truth so, so you can see a single seat divided into three boroughs two boroughs where there's regular working a good network absolutely knocked it out of the park the third one where we don't do enough between elections and we, we haven't got the um, infrastructure anymore it was it was a car crash so if you as i say if you want a good laugh london elects i think dot org dot uk no i tell you it takes a lot to take the wind out of my sails and i and then i looked at it and i thought whoa hello hello yeah we kept that from it i'm not gonna yeah. lie we didn't, we didn't point that out to me because that's the thing i mean i don't know whether this is repeated anywhere across the country but in london because it's electronic voting, you get a accurate ward by ward breakdown of, of how everybody voted. And so, so none of this sort of, oh, well, we think our boxes were very good and we, we did some tally charts here and all of that. Now, this is absolute. And it was like, oh, look at my works, you mighty. And oh, Jesus. Really? Yeah. And so that, that, for, for an election nerd, that sounds like heaven. Um, oh, yeah. That, oh, no. that sort of no. data. No. Um, no, it's horrible. The data is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. The data is brilliant. But I never, I don't think I want to go back through the count because 
Oh, the count. <laughs> so the count is obviously very long because it's a huge amount of votes being counted, but it's also done electronically, as Gareth has just mentioned. So you're not doing anything, you're just sat there waiting. And there's this screen that kind of rolls around every sort of five or so minutes. And we started off the day, it's fair to say, like I I was horrified the moment we started off. I think I was I was very nearly in tears because he was languishing at about sort of like eight percent. Mm-hmm for a good few hours and like the Tory and Labour votes were racking up and up and I was like oh my god we've just thrown an awful lot of money and like worked incredibly hard for eight percent oh my god Um, so I was having a bit of a moment and I was I was desperately trying to keep calm but not probably doing that well Um, and then all of a sudden it started picking up and he started like you know every time the kind of the screen scrolled round he was picking up another percent because obviously we were looking at the constituency primarily and you were picking up sort of every percent every time that the screen rolled down. And I was like, oh, my God, if this keeps on going, we are going to win. This is amazing. And then it stopped at about 28%. 28.2. I've got it. Yeah. Here. So there we go. <laughs> and then nothing moved. But what was quite funny is there was a moment where we dipped behind Labour because I think Labour on 26. Mm-hmm. And we yep. dipped behind Labour and then kind of overtook Labour again. Or I think it might have been the first time we overtook Labour. And I, because we had been at a, quite a poor third percent, so I was kind of like, okay, if we can't win, second is is what we want, but I really want to win. Um, and we overtook Labour into second, and I screamed because I was like, yes, yes, we've done it. And I didn't realise the Labour candidate was stood next oh, to me. Oh, no. And she was... <laughs> She was quite upset. She thought I'd done it to upset her. And really, I was just so excited that we got into second place. I bet your name's, <laughs> your name's like... like Yeah, Labour don't like me. <laughs> but what's it like having MPs? I mean, that's an interesting one, because obviously we have council leaders. Uh, like I say, 27 of them have a majority, but I think there's around nearly 50 councils that Lib Dems control in the country. So how is it not just having one, but two MPs? Are they a, a fantastic asset? Or is the... For, I mean, uh, I'm not going to... I'm not. Yeah, they have to nod. They have to nod. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were yeah, but, to be like, no, they're uh, dreadful. I, I need to text them now just to say this joke has been made. <laughs> 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 no, but I mean, is it? I mean, how much benefit does that give you to have that kind of this infrastructure and the influence of an MP? Yeah, huge, because it kind of they can do a lot of the stuff that. So, particularly with donors, I mean, Gareth was mentioning earlier about how there's kind of tiers of elections that people care about, and I think donors are similar in many ways. Like, I think donors like the big. I'm speaking kind of very broadly here. Um, I know that not all donors are like this, um, but a, a number of donors are sort of obviously quite keen on what the MPs are doing and what we're going to do to take on the government and all that sort of stuff. And they're less, slightly less bothered about what that means and what we would do as a council and whether taking control of the council and does that really matter and all that sort of stuff. And I think, um, and you know, that's understandable. They're thinking about kind of a sort of national policy in some ways. Um, so I can kind of get it. But it has, it is sometimes a bit of a struggle, particularly when you're raising money for a local election. So having your MPs, and uh, I'm not sort of just calling them fundraising machines here, but this is just an example, um, just an example of what they do. Um, but, you know, being, them being able to be like, no, this really matters. So Sarah being able to say that in 2017, when she lost by 45 votes, we only had one councillor in Richmond Park. Now we've got 17 and look at my majority. So kind of proving the link between the elections and obviously they're brilliant policy. Like Manir has been an epic spokesperson on health and, and um, Sarah has been brilliant on business. And 
they are really useful to us. And I think you work with them really closely. Oh, yeah. and like, you know, we do a lot of joint letters, obviously working with Ed as well. So, you know, we do a lot of joint letters to the rail company. We do a lot of joint letters to TFL, all of that sort of stuff. And they are a massive asset to us. And I think they are a massive part of the team. They're not just a tap on, if that makes sense. They are, um, you know, fully paid up members of the team and they, you know, they sign off stuff and they come to us with campaigns and all that sort of stuff. It's always nice um, because, again, it's going back to the, the, the ways in which the public perceive hierarchies and structures of elections and what have you. Uh, the, the number of people who will write to me, you know, in the high dungeon and say, oh, but I'm going to report you to the local MP. Go on then. They say they're my line manager. Think, oh, would, you like, would you like their address? I can, I've got it on speed. Yeah. Uh, it's always lots of fun. No, no, having MPs really does help enormously. So I should try that next time. Yeah. One of the one of the things which um, we have been able to do, and uh, with the you know the assistance of Sarah and Minera, um, has been the special educational needs funding gap. We had a huge amount of um, you know under not underspending, you know, underfunding of special educational needs uh, within the borough, and we've been able to you know because we now have a you know more of an in in parliament, and questions being asked and all of that, that we have been able to get a, a very good funding settlement. Out of out of central government in order to help you know some of the most you know um, you know some of them, I don't want to use the word needy because it's not the right word you know but some of the kids who need their help most uh, within the borough so yeah we've been able to sort that out and of course we're able to do the the um, coordinated um, approach against Heathrow Heathrow is very um, important locally the expansion of Heathrow I mean we're seeing all of the stuff which is happening around the world at the moment in Syracuse yesterday forty eight point eight percent up percent degrees. Um, in terms of, <laughs> sorry, it's, it's the curse of Brexit again. When you do 48, it automatically gets followed by a percentage sign rather than the degrees. Um, it's it, the, 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 the way in which we can lobby and influence, you know, against that is really useful. And having having um, good representation at all level of government in London, whether it's, you know, Caroline Pigeon and Hina in the London Assembly, whether it's having the three uh, councils and, you know, the, the many opposition councils that we've got. Um, across London and of course the MPs it's always very very useful and the one the other thing of course which we haven't mentioned we really should ladies and gentlemen let's have a big round of applause for our peers yeah. because the, you know people like Susan Kramer and what have you they're absolutely sterling work in the Lords as well so we are we're very well placed in southwest uh, London actually London as a whole because we have got a good network of you know interdepartmental layers which are all working very well together I think it would be awful if we were, you know, in the 2015 days when, um, if, if we'd been running the council then and we'd had Tanya Mathias with the Conservatives and Zach Goldsmith, it, it would have been a very different picture. Um, we would have been having to fight a council group and hostile MPs at the same time. Fortunately, we're in a, quite a nice position at the moment. And long may it remain. I think you mentioned, um, you know, I think we've got to give a massive shout out to people like Caroline and Hina. They're amazing mm. assemblymen. Like, they and their teams, people like Mark Morris, are just such an asset to us. Like, I speak to them fairly regularly to kind of go, oh, what are we doing on some of the transport stuff? And they are just such a massive asset to all of the Southwest seats, obviously Hina being um, one of the candidates in the 2019 election in Sutton Cheen, um, but and a councillor in Wimbledon as well. But they are just such assets to any campaigning that we're doing because having their name there you know when Gareth mentioned Heathrow Caroline was there um she was with us when we were doing all of the Heathrow stuff when we were at the Court of Appeals 
and they are just a massive asset to the whole team. And I think we should be doing everything we can to kind of use them more. Um, and that's across London. We should be doing everything we can because they, you know, they challenge the mayor. They can put petitions forward. They can do all sorts of stuff. They can get some press. Um, you know, they've obviously got really good causes of their own. Caroline's amazing on the transport uh, brief. So we really should be doing everything we can to kind of use them as much as we possibly can because they are hugely, hugely helpful. And the insight and knowledge that they and their teams can bring is just massively beneficial. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads me perfectly on, we didn't plan this, but it perfectly leads on to this, is should the Lib Dems be doing better in London? Do we use our assets? I mean, you think of somewhere like the Northwest, where we have one MP in Tim Farron, right at the top in, in South Lakes, which is a beautiful part of the world, but there's a whole huge way where we have, we don't, I mean, in Lancashire now, since the, the sad passing of Tony Greaves, we don't have any parliamentarians at all. Should the Lib Dems be doing better in London? I think obviously we'd like us to be doing better in London, if that makes sense. I don't think there is any part of the country where we wouldn't all be kind of going, I'd like us, you know, we'd like to have everything and absolutely no opposition and like, you know, sort of North Korean majorities. Um, I think there's an element of we've got to make sure that we're using 2022 to move forward. And I think that will be helped now. We've got two assembly members rather than one, because obviously Caroline and her team, whilst amazing, um, you know, she was one assembly member, and I think having that second assembly member will really help. Obviously, now having three MPs, this has all changed since 2018. I think 2018 is a bit of a base mark. Like, I cannot sort of stress how just important councillors are to our campaigning. They're our kind of lifeblood in the sense that they give us the base, they are out working all year round. We've got so many fantastic stars as councillors. I'm not going to big him up too much, but like, obviously, Gareth being a an amazing council leader, not the, but actually genuinely a really good ward councillor like everyone knows who you are and all that sort of stuff like that sort of stuff is really really helpful to campaigns more widely and we've got loads of those people across southwest london we're really really lucky and again across london we've got a real opportunity in the next eight months i think it's 220 odd days until close of nominations uh, for us in london and i think actually we've got it we're in a different footing now than we were in 2018 we have got um some stronger seats than perhaps we had prior to 2018 um, we've got another assembly member, we've got kind of people being selected early, we've got uh, two more council leaders than we had in 2018. And I think actually we should be working at how we use those sorts of people. So I think a big message is, you know, if you are standing for council, you know, speak to your colleagues across London, speak to your campaigns team, speak to, you know, Nicola and I here as your federal campaigns managers. We've obviously got Tim Verboven and people like Craig O'Donnell who work for the ALDC team. Like we've got good people um, who we can go to and who will help you. So, you know, do try and use as much knowledge as possible rather than just kind of sitting in silos is what I would say. And so optimism for next year then, you'd say we're in a better place um, for next year than we were in 2018? Yeah, I think so. Like we've worked, I mean, obviously 2018, I think the difference, perhaps the difference that we've got now is obviously there were more target seats in London in 2019 than there were in 2017. And those places will have had huge amounts of canvassing. Um, whereas perhaps in 2018, those places didn't have space. You know, I maintain that one of the reasons we took control of the council in Richmond and possibly in sort of the, the northern bits of Kingston um, is because the imp- entire party descended on us in 2016 for the by-election. Then obviously, again, the entire party descended on these three seats again for 2017 for the general election. 
we had so much data to play with in 2018 we could be really clever and that was you know a big part of the of of the party coming and helping us and not just kind of doing it on our own um but we did have more seats in 2019 that would have got more data that actually they can use for 2022 and they will have also um kind of i suppose refreshed it you know we did do quite a lot of canvassing in the 2021 GLA campaign um i think you know why we probably did more than perhaps expected you know there was a lot of phone calling that happened as well and actually that's again refreshed a lot of data so that's something to use for 2022 which i think is the difference perhaps between 2018 and 2022 sometimes it does take time you can't just click a finger and you will win I mean, my ward, uh, Hampton, we had a Conservative in there for four years, from 2014 to 18, and we managed to get rid of them. Uh, but it wasn't for the fact that we didn't do the work in 2014. It was just you know prevailing mood of uh, people locally. And, you know, it's not the, the fact that we didn't put the hours in for getting insulated in 2015. We did, but prevailing mood nationally. So moods change, things change, and as long as the networks, as long as the work is continuing, then it, it will it will have results. And it's not because the work being done is wrong, it's not because the work being done isn't enough, it's just it's just the prevailing mood of the, the country. So, you know, just stick in there, that's what I can say. And I think we can all point to um, areas where you sort of go, well, actually, we never see the Tories, and yet they just win. I mean, you know, with the greatest win in the world, Gareth's election in 2021, the Tories put out, what, three leaflets? Mm-hmm. I mean, we worked ridiculously hard. Um, the Tories put out three leaflets and still won, you know. So there is a message there that even in areas of strength, you know, we still have a bit of a battle to climb. And I think um, one of the big messages that we were saying in that election was you had never heard from your Assembly member, that, you know, where was Tony Arbour? Who on earth was he? You know, he had been the Assembly member for 20 odd years and it clearly did move the dial that message clearly did work there were a number of soft Tories and Labour voters who came over to us and that can be replicated across the country because there are places where people haven't been listened to they've been neglected they've kind of been left behind or they they never see their MP or they never see their councillor and actually that's the time for us to move in and I think I would just flag that kind of learn the lessons of Cheshire and Amersham we are putting on a lot of training I'm just going to do a bit of a plug for how much Cheshire and Amersham training we are doing and we're also running a lot of it at conference as well from the campaigns and elections department and use those because actually that can be replicated across the country um, and the sort of message of message, ma- message matters most and what you're saying to your voters is really, really important. I don't want some Lib Dems listening or watching to this podcast think, oh my word, that's so much. They're talking about MPs. Think of it on your very local level. Think about a polling district level or something like that. And think of the message you just said. I, I think of the Sunderland guys. I mean, Sunderland is as red as can come. It's, it's so true Labour. And the Lib Dems in Sunderland have chipped away at it and had some spectacular wins. And their message was, uh, on one of their focus leaflets was they've done now to vote them out, and it, yeah. it, it ju- and it was brilliant. It was so good, and but it and there'll be areas like that in across the whole country, whether that's Labour facing, Tory facing, where they just get complacent. The quality of councillor is rubbish, and so you can come in there and you can beat them. And sometimes, like you mentioned before, Gareth, there'll be awful people you beat, but. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, the, the problem we have in politics in Britain more than anything else is people going unchallenged. Yeah. And if I you're think, in the and South and would like to use that, you said they've done nothing, give them a stuffing, which oh, would work equally well. <laughs>
But I don't think I could get away with that done now. In, in They've done now. No, it's, it's a very I love thing. You guys are really inspiring. And, and what you do as a council leaders, because, you know, it can be a it can be a long old struggle sometimes for, for people. I mean, there's only two of us now on Lancashire County Council. And I think I'm a colleague who lost his seat in May. He didn't deserve to lose his seat. He fought harder and longer than anyone else. The Tories did virtually nothing, got a crest of a wave and took the seat. But we'll take that seat back. And we're already yeah. starting to work to take that seat back. And so, but I just want to thank you both for coming on. It's been really, really brilliant, actually. And, and you know, I, and I really, really appreciate your time. So is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners out there? No, I think, I think that it's, it's something in Austin. It's Pride and Prejudice. No, I think we've delighted them for long enough. Um, <laughs> No, but no, but thank you so much to all those people who want to follow both Alice and Gareth. You can do. You can follow the, the everything that's going on in the Richmond and the Dems. They're all on Twitter. I've been raiding their Twitter account to see what you've been up to. For anyone who wants to follow more to do with the Lib Dem podcast, you can on all social media at, at Lib Dem Pod. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you like us on Facebook and on YouTube. Thank you so much to these guys. They've been absolutely brilliant. And we'll be back with another episode very soon.